Welcome to Crypto Daily. My name is Dustin Knauss, and be sure to follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Well, everyone has been hearing the term Web 3.0 lately. It's almost as big of a buzzword as metaverse. But what exactly does it mean? And what's the difference between Web 3.0 versus what we're using today? In today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into what exactly is Web 3.0. But before we get there, let's look at what was Web 1.0. In the early days of the internet, websites were built mostly for e-commerce, or they were just a way for people to shout information at others. Honestly, e-commerce sites still take a Web 1.0 approach to their build. There's really no interaction happening. Web 1.0 is essentially the idea of having a megaphone in your hand but no one can really talk back to you. Data and information were sent out by developers with no real way of the end user sending things back. Some people refer to Web.0 as the read-only version of the web. The idea was show someone your project, take their money, and done. Then we evolved into Web 2.0. This phase, our current phase, is referred to as the read-write web. It started in the early days of social media with things like Friendster or MySpace. We essentially gave everyone a megaphone to use. Then, of course, came along video from sites like YouTube, where people really could put themselves out there. And thanks to comments and likes, people can give instant feedback and interaction. Web 2.0 has completely revolutionized how we do business, and really the way that we do things in general. Now, a company may hire an influencer and with one post, make tens of thousands of sales. At the same time, users can end someone's career by using the internet if they do or say something wrong. Also, social media sites can end someone's monetization and cut off their income if they disagree with their beliefs, or simply because there's bad press around them, which is something that's happened to personal friends of mine. But the read-write web has had more implications than just being able to communicate with each other. Website giants have dominated the industry by essentially having a race to collect the most data on someone. What's their age? What's their gender? What things do they like? Who do they know? How can you contact them? Where have they been? Where are they now? The money companies like Google and Facebook make doesn't really come from advertising. It comes from the data that's collected on users, which is then essentially sold to marketers. There is a positive light as this does make the internet a more customized experience. You are less likely to receive something that you don't care about. For example, I honestly don't give a damn about sports, so I don't see ads for memorabilia or sports t-shirts. But I do have a baby, so I see a lot of ads for children's products now. Of course, this creates a lot of privacy concerns for people. I wanna stay connected, but do I really wanna give up my sense of freedom? Do I want strangers knowing where I am all the time? For some, they don't care. For others, this is a virtual peeping Tom. In fact, you may have given apps permission to view all of your photos on your phone, which is data that can be taken and used. We've seen this big controversy from Apple, who proposed to cross-reference iPhone users' photos with the database to see if they're committing crimes of pedophilia. But what if I take a nude selfie? Or my wife sends me an intimate photo? Now, I don't want people I don't know to have access to that. Unfortunately, because platforms and devices are owned by companies, if I don't want to play by the rules, I don't get to play at all. I can't completely opt out of data collection from Facebook, or they won't make any money off me. So the only real way to get out of collecting data is to get off their platform. 
And that means losing my connectivity to the people that I love. But it's not just social media collecting data on you. Netflix and Disney Plus are. Amazon and Walmart, McDonald's and Starbucks, Uber and Lyft, DoorDash and Instacart, any company on the web or with an app has the goal of collecting as much data on you as possible. And that's kind of where the idea of Web 3.0 comes in. People are asking, is there a better way? Can we make the internet more democratic and less controlled by big businesses? Can we make it a safe place where algorithms aren't fueling fights or I don't have to worry about my child's mental health from exposure? Web 3.0 is something very early in its infancy and it's developing thanks to things like blockchain and cryptocurrency. That's right, crypto is serving a function to the world and aiming to make it a better place through decentralization. I found a good source on Block Geeks that breaks down the goal of Web 3.0 into four properties that people are looking at. The first is making the web more semantic-based. Basically, the goal is not to look at what is actually said, but what is the emotion behind something. The example used by the author, Rizarshi Mitra, is I love Bitcoin versus I heart Bitcoin. Now these two phrases are technically different, but the emotions behind them are the exact same. If a machine with the help of AI is able to look at data given through the lens of semantics, it could greatly enhance the user's experience. It would also give us all a better understanding of human language and emotion, allowing for deeper and better connections. The second property is also tied into the last one, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is another big buzzword that we've all been hearing a lot lately. The basic idea behind this is for a machine to be able to learn what is good data and what is considered bad data. A simple example of this is in rating systems. If you look at a product on Amazon and see that it has thousands of reviews with only two stars, it's considered a bad product. On the other hand, if you look at a product with five stars, you would consider it a good product. Now that's the idea behind artificial intelligence. A machine focusing on good data to enhance the end user's experience so that they don't have to sort through all the bad data. This will make things much more efficient. Another property that we are focusing on with Web 3.0 is 3D graphics. So far, Web 1.0 and 2.0 have been focused on 2D graphics, photos of a couch that you might want in your living room. Well, with Web 3.0, we can start to make a metaverse which we talked about in a previous deep dive. Now you can actually see the couch that you want and know its real dimensions, whether it's through virtual reality or augmented reality, which would actually allow you to see it in the physical world. The last property is known as ubiquitous or omnipresent. This is where we live in a world where the internet is everywhere. With web 1.0, you had to be on a computer. With web 2.0, we had mobile devices. With web 3.0, it would potentially be everywhere that you want it to be. We are seeing this roll out with the internet of things. I can rent a scooter on a sidewalk, which is always connected to the internet. My car is connected to the internet and even needs updates. Now there is a cryptocurrency with this focus known as Helium, where you essentially mine by providing an internet source to IoT devices, allowing constant connectivity. But that might be a deep dive for another episode. And of course, with a decentralized system, that would mean that the internet belongs to anyone and everyone. You'd be able to opt in and out anytime that you want. And you don't have people just trying to make a buck off of your data. You can give and receive data as you wish. So as you can see, 
we are seeing glimpses of Web 3.0. It's still in its infancy. And we're at a point right now where it's like early text-based discussion boards that were the bridge between Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. Web 3.0 is here, although it's pretty spread out. Eventually, it'll all come together and it'll create a world that's very different from today. Likely, it's not one that we can even imagine. It's kind of like in the 50s where we thought everything would be shiny and we'd all be flying around by now. Their idea of the future was only what they could see in front of them. A boom in aviation, an obsession with metallic and shiny products like gold and diamonds. They had no way of knowing what the future would really be like, other than stronger communications like the flip phone style communicator that we saw in Star Trek. Essentially, we're on the same boat and the 2010s are gonna look incredibly different than the 2040s. Now we have glimpses of what's coming, but no one really knows what it is. All we know is that we are in for a crazy ride. Please follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you get your podcasts on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and leave a comment there. I'm Dustin Knauss, and thank you for joining me today.